Welcome into TYT's The Conversation. I'm your host, Adrian Lawrence. And today I'm joined by the founder and president of Gideon's Promise Org. He also happens to be the author of a book called Gideon's Promise, a public defender movement to transform criminal justice. Thank you for joining us, Jonathan Rapping. Thanks so much for having me. Now, Jonathan, this is a really exciting time for you. You have this book coming out, or it's come out with Gideon's Promise, a public defender movement to transform criminal justice. What is it that Gideon's Promise brings to the table that's different? Well, Gideon's Promise is an organization that partners with public defenders all across the country in an effort to build a movement of public defenders to partner with communities most impacted by our criminal legal system to transform that system. And Adrian, I'd love to point out that I think over the last year, year and a half, the nation really has been awakened to the fact that black and brown communities, marginalized communities suffer incredible brutality at the hands of police. But what remains invisible is that most people survive police encounters. They're thrown into a criminal legal system where they're subjected to a routine violence, an invisible violence, a normalized violence that leads to mass incarceration that renders people unable to vote, unable to work, unable to return to their homes oftentimes. And it's only public defenders that interrupt the violence in that space. And if we don't fund and support public defenders, we're depriving communities the advocates they need to keep them out of jails, keep them out of prisons, keep them out of basically second class citizenship. Yeah, and it definitely seems to be something that has come to the forefront, especially with we saw post George Floyd, the movements that have come up um, as a result of that. And a lot more people seem to be a little bit more invest, invested or at least awakened with the injustices in the criminal justice system. And so you speak a lot about having public defenders really be the uh, important movers and shakers that really need to uh, be reinforced, bolstered, supported in the system so that they can change it. By what way can they do that? Well, if you believe as I do that that the injustice that we see um, in the streets, in the courts are the result of a 400 year narrative that says some people are others, some people are subhuman, then really the only way we can achieve justice is if we if we actually open our ears and we hear the stories, we hear the voices of people who have been silenced. Public defenders represent over 80% of the people in the criminal legal system where so much damage is done. And if we can build a movement of public defenders to actually um, take seriously the responsibility to hear those stories, to partner with those communities, to amplify those voices and infuse the system with humanity, um, that's gonna be critical to changing a culture that is normalized injustice for too long. You know, it seems to me that the people that it seems that you're suggesting haven't been heard, uh, the black and brown people that we've been screaming at the top of our lungs for 400 years, it's just the fact that people don't wanna listen because maybe capitalism is king, uh, fueling you know, private, um, prison privatization as well as our white supremacy culture. So how could it change in some way? Because I don't think the problem is black or brown people speaking. It's a matter of getting white people and people in positions of power to actually listen and to care and to see us as human. Well, that's that's absolutely right, Adrian. I couldn't agree with you more. And if you uh, embrace the, the thesis of Michelle Alexander and the new Jim Crow, the idea that for 400 years, there's a narrative that has seen some people as subhuman. It went from slavery to black codes to Jim Crow to mass incarceration. 
If, if you believe that, as I do, then the, the mass incarceration, our criminal legal system, is this generation's Jim Crow. It's where the harm is being done. And while certainly black and brown people have voices in the criminal legal system, those voices are only amplified through public defenders. They're not allowed to speak for themselves in those spaces. And when you have public defenders that don't understand that, that, that have fallen victim to the system, that have accepted the status quo, public defenders are perpetuating the harm by not making sure the stories of the people they serve are heard. Gideon's promise envisions public defenders that see their role as so much more than just protecting individual rights in individual cases. These are the, they are the vehicle through which we will bring voices and stories into a system that otherwise is dehumanizing. Yeah, indeed, it's very dehumanizing. But I think also kind of the point was always to dehumanize us because you know we make better chattel than we do actually uh, people and um, you know individuals who are deserving of respect uh, and rights. But as far as Gideon promises effort, um, you know, you say kind of amplifying and bringing these stories. Are you are you picturing people sharing their journeys? And if so, uh, to what extent would people say that that could be Trump traumatic? It could be trauma porn. Well, so so Adrian, I'd be remiss not to mention that I'm the co-founder of Gideon's Promise. I founded it along with my wife, who's not a lawyer. She was born and raised in a black community in Buffalo. And her introduction to the criminal legal system happened when she was five years old. Adrian, when she was five, her father was arrested, charged with crimes he committed years earlier. By the time he was arrested, he had turned his life around, was a small business owner, converted to Islam, was married, four children. She was the oldest at five. He was charged with crimes he committed years earlier and given a public defender who never told his story. And without his story being told, he was processed through the system and sentenced to 10 years in Attica. And so my wife grew up knowing her father from behind bars. And something she always said that, I, that, that really is at the heart of what we do at Gideon's Promise is she said, you know, what was even harder than growing up with a father behind bars? was coming to the realization that the people I love, most of the men in her life were impacted by the criminal legal system. She said, come to the realization that the people I love don't matter. And primarily that message was delivered to her by a public defender, someone who I imagine came into the work for the right reasons, but came into a system that had so accepted a substandard level of justice for black and brown people that he started to be shaped by it. He probably didn't even realize that in, in ignoring the person standing next to him, not only was he doing damage to that man, he was doing damage to that five-year-old girl and her family. And there are children like her all across this country. If we don't ensure their advocates at that critical moment have their interests at heart, care about their stories, and want to make sure they're heard, we are destined to perpetuate the injustice that is now mass incarceration. And that's a very powerful thing. And I'd love to talk about the book uh, that you have, Gideon's Promise, The Public Defender Movement to Transform Criminal Justice. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's about? Sure. So, so I started my career in Washington, D.C. Um, and, and I was with one of the model public defender offices at the time. And after a de decade there, I moved to the South to do criminal justice reform work in Georgia. I went to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina to help build that system. Did some work in Alabama, Mississippi, 
And it was really eye-opening. It was the first time I saw young, passionate defenders come into the system and within a couple of years, they would either quit or they'd have the passion just beaten out of them. And so Gideon's Promise started as an organization to support those lawyers, to nurture that passion and to, to transform the culture in offices that it accepted processing human beings, that it become part of the very system that was crushing the people they serve. So Gideon's Promise now is 15 years old. We now have programs for new lawyers, for leaders, for supervisors. We have a law school pipeline. And really the idea is that communities need to see public defenders as their lawyers, as their advocates. And we have to make sure all across the country, we have lawyers that take that effort seriously and that are advocating externally for the resources these communities need from their public defenders. That's what Gideon's Promise is about. It's about building that movement to serve people with humanity and dignity and to advocate for the resources that they need. That's great, and, and resources indeed are extremely, uh, they're scarce, yet they are, they're critical. And I know that a lot of public defenders offices would say that they just don't have the resources, whether it's manpower or um, you know, just time to be able to execute at the level that they'd like. Um, I guess, is there something that Gideon's Promise does to help overcome those barriers? Yeah, so, so I think the first step is making sure that lawyers don't become indifferent, like the man who represented my wife's father. So at the first level, we not just we don't only just train lawyers to be good lawyers. We give them strategies, community, and support to resist the pressure to abandon their ideals. But then we also work with leaders and we work with community organizations to partner with the public defender offices to actually push back against the system that wants them to be processed. So we're really we're doing leadership development and we're creating advocates who can partner with and be allies to the communities that really need them. Communities that have seen public defenders as the enemy for far too long. We wanna change that so they're truly partners in this fight for racial justice, economic justice and civil rights. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And can you please tell the viewers where they can get more information on Gideon's Promise? Absolutely. So Gideon'sPromise.org is the website. My wife and I are co-hosts of a podcast called Gideon's Promise, the podcast. You can check out the book, Gideon's Promise, the book, um, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, social media. Please follow us and send public defenders love whenever you have a chance to talk about them. Thanks so much for joining us, Jonathan. Appreciate you, Adrian. Thank you. Welcome back to TYT's The Conversation. It's Adrian Lawrence, and I'd like to welcome in Change by CEO and president of the change company, BC Silver. Welcome in, BC. Nice to get connected. Thank you. Yes, I'm so glad to have you here. So, the change company is a designated community development financial institution. What does that mean in terms of how it services individuals? Yeah, so a CDFI means that we've been certified by the federal government to serve the underserved community. So essentially what it says is, you know, we've operated in good standing. We support the community. We have several different programs, whether it's educational, financial literacy, but also more importantly, we also offer lending products where we help fund and get people in homes 
uh, not only in uh, you know inner city, but also underserved communities as well. And when you say underserved communities, I'm guessing you're probably referencing uh, maybe black or brown communities that have been historically marginalized when it comes to home ownership. And if that's correct, what are you working toward right now that would serve those communities? Yeah, so um, you're absolutely right in terms of uh, from a geographical location standpoint or proximity. Um, you nailed it uh, on the head. Um, and then from from what we're working on standpoint, what we've been up to is simply uh, we can offer both traditional and non-traditional um, uh, forms of liquidity. Uh, so said a different way, if uh, many folks in our community uh, may not be set up for success uh, to purchase a home. So uh, more specifically, uh, if you think uh, it's pretty difficult to buy a home uh, uh, in today's day and age. Um, uh, and the reason why uh, is because you need uh, traditional documentation uh, in one case, uh, in some, in most cases actually. Uh, two, you need to have um, consistent work. Uh, direct deposits, etc. cetera, uh, in your bank account, you need to have been there for a long duration of time. The unfortunate thing is for a lot of black and brown communities, um, uh, you, we have a disproportionate amount of people that are, in, that are gig workers, right? Or that work in, as contractors and they may not have consistent um, uh, direct deposit. Uh, but we allow people to not only either you can qualify for tr in a traditional way, or if you have a good credit score, we can do uh, we we can actually qualify you for a home without having uh, the same the, the same requirements from a documentation standpoint. And so it gives you more. Yeah, that's really that's that's fantastic. That's really good to hear. As someone who is a lawyer by training and has worked in the traditional world, but is now in the freelance kind of gig economy and enjoying it and it's flourishing, I completely understand the limitations and kind of the hurdles that I could face if I wanted to buy uh, another property. And so it's good to know that you as an institution provide those opportunities for people, uh, particularly brown and black people who have been historically boxed out. Uh, and so in terms of home ownership right now, as I understand it, there has been a huge just just almost we have an anticipated crash right now with a lot of people who might be bounced from their homes in time as we just coming out of this, hopefully coming out of this pandemic. Um, there is the rental relief issues going on as well as home ownership and being able to pay and whatnot. So I guess where do you all come in in terms of making these opportunities a reality? Yeah, I think um, the, uh, that's a great question, one. Two, uh, what I would say is, um, uh, many times there is a misunderstanding in terms of what the underserved community may look like. Uh, more specifically, uh, there are tons of people in these marginalized communities that actually have great credit. Uh, there are tons of folks in this community that actually have uh, employment or uh, have great jobs and have saved a lot of money. Um, and that should be able to qualify, but just haven't in the past because they didn't know the right process, the right structure. Uh, what I would say is we've uh, been lending uh, in this space and we've actually had no defaults, uh, even in a non-traditional uh, qualification format. Um, and so, you know, we've actually 
Uh, we haven't necessarily seen the same impact uh, that the rest of the marketplace has seen because we we have done a great job just in terms of vetting high, highly qualified uh, individuals, even though they're underserved, uh, and people who you know really wanted to have the opportunity to own a home. And so I would say, um, you know, many times when you think of underserved, you automatically think low income or you automatically think um, uh, inconsistent employment, uh, but that isn't necessarily the case. So um, hopefully that makes sense. Yes, that completely really makes sense. It'd probably be uh, potentially someone similar to myself who has great credit and has all those opportunities, but doesn't necessarily have the traditional regimented structure that I guess more traditional financial institutions cater to. Uh, and I and I think it's such a good thing to have companies like yours out there because essentially, if you have traditional financial institutions who only provide you with the opportunity for home ownership, if you meet these specific ramifications or these specific specifications that often are a product of uh, white supremacy or the patriarchy, uh, whether it's you know in terms of who gets certain jobs, who's able to stay at certain jobs, and to have those opportunities that you essentially see the oppression operating in society, then you're, it's finding another way to box people out. And so it sounds like you provide other avenues for people who are different or choose to live a different path or don't even have access to the traditional opportunities that others do. And so when it comes to, I guess, um, where you all look towards moving toward next step in the next half of this year, 2021, where would you say you're going? Yeah, so uh, we have a stated uh, objective um, to continue to drive Black and Latino home ownership uh, to the tune of $3 billion in funding this year. So we're going to continue to stay down that path and be diligent. Um, what I would say is, uh, you know, we believe in offering liquidity for these communities, offering financial opportunity for these communities, uh, and everyone should have the right to the American dream, right? Uh, but you mentioned um, that you know, in, in many cases, the system was not designed to help uh, black and brown communities. Um, but it's our commitment to continue to head down that path, continue to infuse more money. Um, and not only that, but also partner with uh, other financial institutions or organizations that have the same mission and objective in mind. Excellent. I think that that's a very important thing to do, and especially building those community alliances with other organizations and entities. Uh, it's so incredibly important. And so, if you could fill everybody in a little bit, it Change Company. It's a designated community development financial institution. Is that something that is uh, kind of a government issued designation? It is a government issued designation. Um, and so, if you if you think about it from um, financial institution standpoint, what it essentially means for all the viewers out there is uh, you essentially have a financial institution that was built to help you, uh, that has been certified by the US government to, that the proof is in the pudding, that we've done um, uh, substantial work in the marketplace to help. Uh, and we've done it over a consistent period of time. And so I would say, you know, uh, many times people have never heard of CDFIs before. Uh, what I would say is, if you are in an underserved community and you're looking for, you know, education, tools, 
um, resources, uh, CDFIs are a great place to start uh, because they can offer different solutions than your more traditional banks or your big banks, um, uh, which we know have had its own series of challenges in the past. Uh, so I would say, you know, not just us, there are other great uh, CDFI institutions out there. Uh, I think the one thing I would want to mention, though, is uh, what makes us a little bit, uh, well, very different than uh, uh, some other CDFIs is we're also a fintech organization as well, too. So we're heavy technology based. So what that means is, you know, we will continue to be launching new technology, new products uh, that will help people uh, not only um, give the information and education that they need to help them no matter where they are on their financial journey, uh, but we'll also be developing, um, we're launching a debit card program, uh, an additional some um, credit enhancement features, um, and then also ways to help you eventually become a homeowner one day. It is the single biggest opportunity we have to close a wealth gap. You hear people often mentioning uh, the importance of home ownership and the wealth gap, and you've done some phenomenal pieces on it as well. Uh, but we truly believe that this is the, the lane that we have to, to start focusing on in order to truly close that gap. Absolutely, and I think it's such an important piece, the home ownership element, in part because that is how you build oftentimes generational wealth. And when you have underserved communities, marginalized groups, that is something that they've essentially been, you know, restricted from home ownership and that opportunity to be able to pass on the legacy so that the generations to come can do even better. So I want to thank you so much for joining us. And can you quickly tell the viewers where they can go to find more information? Yeah, so uh, uh, feel free to go to changefi.com. So uh, C-H-A-N-G-E-F-I.com. Uh, you'll see uh, tons of information on home ownership, uh, traditional, non-traditional loans, as well as debit card programs, enhancement tools, um, and just tons of great information uh, to learn and actually uh, start to easily execute against. So changefi.com. Thank you so much for joining us. BC Silver, ChangeFi CEO and president of The Change Company. Thank you very much.